This is Five on Three, center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Hello and welcome to another edition of Five on Three. WFUV Sports NHL podcast talking all things in the world of hockey alongside Samantha Bohr and Tyler Mooney. I'm Colin Loughran. Friends, we're in the thick of the Stanley Cup finals. It's been quite the treat thus far. Maybe not what we expected numbers wise in terms of who's leading and how they did it in the fashion that it all went down. Right now, Colorado up three games to one in the series with a chance to win the cup. Of course, they took game four by a score of three to two. First of all, before we get to any of that, how are we doing today? Tyler, I'll start with you. I'm doing well. Uh, you know, not much really going on in my life, if I'm being honest. Just living the American dream, working and watching the Stanley Cup Finals at night. But uh, it's, been, uh, it's been quite the, yeah, it's been quite the series. A lot of storylines and some things that have happened that I don't think anyone expected going into the series. So I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm doing all right. As I've already told both of you, I did just test positive for COVID. So that has severely dampened my mood because though I feel all right, that means that I 99% positive will not be in the building for game five of the Stanley cup final, like I was supposed to be. So I'm feeling sad about that one personally, but you know what? I'm happy to see both of you. So I'm doing much better now than I was earlier today. (laughs) That is a tough one with that positive COVID test. I mean, this series in and of itself has been dramatic because nobody thought it was going to go the way it has gone, particularly, even though people might've said Colorado would win. I'm not sure anybody thought they'd win a game seven to nothing. And then you'd have a close one like you did in game four in that type of back and forth fashion. I'll say it first, guys. I was quite wrong about how this series was going to play out. (laughs) I might be proven right at the end of the day, but as it stands right now, the lightning have not shown up. And really just looking at this game four, Sam, I'll go to you first. I mean, just look at the pattern here. You have a strong first period from Tampa Bay. Sorelli gets in the early goal. Second period, a little bit more of a struggle on both ends, but still I would give it to Tampa Bay in terms of who played better hockey. McKinnon ties it up. Hedman then makes it two to one Tampa Bay. Then for the longest time from there in that second period, it looked like Tampa was going to kind of just take control. Vasilevsky played out of his mind in that second period. I might add something that, you know, we've come accustomed to seeing third period comes around. Cagliano then ties it up at two. Eventually we go to overtime. And one of those X factors that I had mentioned before this series started he comes back in this game, guys. He has the OT game winner. Nazem Kadri makes it three to two, comes back. That's quite the story in my mind. Sam, what did you make of this game for the abs? It was truly something. I mean, when this game first began, watching a lot of it, I was like, all right, we're doing okay. Like, well, we didn't start off strong. Started off down after, was it like 38 seconds? Was that what it was? Yeah, I mean, which is not a hopeful start for the avalanche. Um, But I will say people call them the comeback kids for a reason. And that was demonstrated in this game. Once again, they didn't lead until they won the overtime goal. Right. So I think that's where we saw them shine through there. This game was just miraculous. I think it was one of the most entertaining games of hockey 
we've seen in so long. This series in and of itself, I truly think is one of the greatest series of hockey we've seen just from an entertainment standpoint because of the super high scoring games one and two game or sorry, game one, game two being what it was game three being a absolute wash of the avalanche. This game, I think that Vasilevsky is like, if I were to pick a one game MVP, he is it for this game. He was playing remarkably. Oh my gosh. There were multiple, multiple saves that I was sure went in. You could hear it in my household. My parents were upstairs. I was downstairs and we'd go, yeah. Oh, and you could hear it echo through the different levels. Um, and there's the video of Joe Sackett going, yeah. Oh, and then muttering a curse word that I will not say on the podcast. <laughs> um, I thought it was phenomenal. I think the storyline of Nazem Kadri coming back and scoring the OT game winner is just bliss. He has had an incredible year. And especially he's had multiple storylines in these playoffs alone between what happened in um, the Blues series and then the whole like we stand with Nas and then getting knocked out by Evander Kane and coming back after surgery and just scoring that OT goal to bring us up 3-1. Truly remarkable. I think if nothing else, this has just been wildly entertaining. And do I think the Avs played their world's greatest hockey last night? Maybe not. Do I think it was still absolutely spectacular? 100%. Yeah, last night's game I thought was the best of the series just from an entertainment standpoint and from, you know, a play. Both teams were were so evenly matched, and you got to give so much credit. Like, can't even overstate how much credit you got to give to Darcy Kemper to keep the abs in that game. They give up the goal 38 seconds or whatever in. And, I mean, I don't know off the top of my head what the shots were in the first period, but I want to say it was like 15-2, 16-2, something in that ballpark. Um, it could have easily been two, three, nothing Tampa. And if it, you know, if you're going into the first intermission and it's three, nothing Tampa, it's going to be so difficult for the abs to come back from that game. So you got to give Kemper so much credit to keep them in the game, kept him within one or two goals, one goal. And then, I mean, Colorado in the overtime, it just felt like they were going to be the team that scored. They came out and they were obviously better. They were faster. They were more tenacious on the puck and, to see Kadri get the winning goal is especially crazy because, you know, he's coming back. He's clearly not at a hundred percent. And honestly, he was at least in my eyes, pretty invisible the entire game up until that point, I would not have predicted that he would be the guy to get the winning goal, but that's the way the Stanley cup playoffs work. Sometimes things that you think there's never a chance could happen. They happen. And a crazy ending too. you know, is it too many men? Where did the puck go? Half the people think it's in Half It's not half think it's not in. So uh, definitely an awkward finish, but uh, a great game nonetheless. Definitely a great game. Had some controversy at the end. I do want to touch on that, but not before getting to the particulars that we've been kind of dancing around in terms of shots on goal, things of this nature. Lightning with 39 shots on goal on the game. Abs with 37. That's fairly even. Blocks a little bit more slanted. This is a storyline that I always like to talk about in perspective to goalies and how they're able to handle different situations. Lightning had 34 blocks. Avs only needed 21. I say needed there very carefully because we mentioned Darcy Kemper and how good of a job he did at staying in that game after giving up the early goal. I'm wondering, Sam, before we get to the controversy, before any of that, these numbers to me speak of a team on the Lightning's end that are needing to block a whole lot more shots. I say needing there in that your defensemen are really going to have to put their body on the line in a way that the abs just haven't had to 
up until this point. Is there something to that that they're really having to get in front of it so Vasilevsky isn't getting swamped more than he already is? I definitely think so. And I mean, I think we're seeing exactly that. Like you said, I mean, was it Stamkos who had like seven blocks last night, something like that? I mean, I know he hit a season high in blocks um, earlier in this series even, and then he over, he uh, went over that number in last night's game, I'm pretty sure. And so I think that that is speaking to obviously a team with great defense. We talked about this last week when matching up the different aspects of these teams that speaks to such a great defense. And I think such a reliability on that defense saying, we will be there for you, Vass. We'll get in front of you. I think it's helpful. I think if they weren't doing that, if they weren't putting their bodies fully on the line, like they were watching them literally dive headfirst onto the ice to block these shots, which it is effective. I said over and over last night, wow, what a great block, because it was just remarkable the way that the Lightning used their bodies and their size to get in front of that net. And I think that if they weren't doing that, if they were trying to only play with poke checks and with friendly fire in that way, I think that it'd be more like a game too. It'd be a higher scoring game in that way. And I, I think it's something they have to do to fight off this incredibly powerful avalanche office offense. Whoa. Words are hard. Yeah. It seems like uh, Tampa or it seems like Colorado just has the puck more. So Tampa's going to naturally need to block more shots, but I think you knew that they were going to have much more of a commitment to playing sound defensively and getting in the lanes and deflecting pucks and blocking pucks, especially the way that game two went. I mean, Vasilevsky did not play well, but they did him absolutely no favors. And everyone on Tampa Bay who was interviewed after the game said the exact same thing. They said no one played well. This was not on Andre Vasilevsky. So you knew coming back to Tampa that it was going to be, you know, a, a more defensively minded effort, similar to what happened in the Eastern conference final Tampa was giving up a lot in the neutral zone, a lot off the rush, leaving Vasilevsky out to dry a little bit in the first two games. And then you saw that they adjusted and, and ended up winning the series. So I think you saw that similar kind of adjustment for Tampa, although now they're not tied 2-2 going to game five, they're down 3-1. Yeah, I think both of you guys hit the nail on the head in that the Tampa Bay defense had to be good precisely because they're dealing with such a high-octane offense on the Avalanche's part. I mean, they got guys like McKinnon and even Kadri, even though he's you know just coming back from an injury that can cut through the ozone with the best of them, really create a whole lot of problems. That puts a lot of extra onus on your defense to block shots that they didn't have to block against the Rangers or the Panthers, teams that were kind of content to stay uh, towards the top of that ozone, not really committed to cutting through as much as a team like uh, like the uh, avalanche here. So overall, I look at those numbers. I bring them up precisely because I think they speak to the strength of what Colorado is able to do and what they've been able to do precisely in this series in that you're putting a whole lot of pressure on the best goal in the game, quite frankly. So of course, that's something to keep an eye on as we head towards game five, as we head towards the late parts of this series. But game four ended in a whole lot of controversy. Coach John Cooper in his madman type of way was not happy about it. I saw a man that looked like his puppy got taken away from him after this game. He was complaining that there was too many men on the ice on the avalanches part on the game winning goal. And there might have been 
I'm going to be honest, Sam. I know you don't want to hear it, but there no, might oh, have no, been no. too many men on the ice. But I, I was. I'm not going to review was. you, Colin. There, there were. There were. I'm not, I'm not going to try it and was, back off. My, my TV might not be the best, but I was able to, you know, see kind of a blur. Now, no, no one wants Tampa to maybe not win another cup as much as me after, you know, knocking out the Rangers, the team that I cover. I'm sure Tyler sympathizes with me on that front as a Rangers fan. But John Cooper was not happy about this. And to him, I would say, listen, buddy, you got away with something very similar last year against the Islanders. They don't call it in October when the season starts. They're not going to call it in game four of the Stanley Cup finals. I understand that everyone wants to play everything by the book when it comes down to the wire. But at the end of the day, if the shoe was on the other foot, I'm not sure Coach Cooper would be such a righteous guy and wanting to get the call right, especially when there's a chance to win three straight cups. Just Tyler, I'll go to you first here. Just your thoughts on not only the play itself and the too many men on the ice deal, but maybe if you could on Coach Cooper's response, I thought it was a little bit interesting personally. I'm a fan of Coach Cooper. I just didn't really like how he handled this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's been catching a lot of a lot of flack for that response. A lot of people saying maybe, maybe try not. And why are you focusing on that? And maybe focus on the fact that a guy who just got hand surgery or wrist surgery, whatever it was, he was able to knife through three of your players on defense and then beat your your all world goalie. But uh, as for the, the the play itself, I mean, yeah, it was it was totally too many men, but. A, that happens, Arthur Staple tweeted the best. That happens like 30 times in an NHL game. It was, this one might've been a little worse just because it seemed there was an angle. There was a video from like the camera that they have above the bench that shows the bench that it shows Nachushkin coming towards the bench. It looks like he's going to change and Kadri jumps on and then Nachushkin like kind of curves away and continues on the ice. And then McKinnon comes off. So a lot of people were saying, oh, maybe Kadri was trying to come on for Nachushkin in that moment, thought Nachushkin was changing. So there was like a solid three, four seconds where McKinnon was still on the ice. So it was too many men, but they, they very rarely call that in a regular season game. You're not calling that in game four of the Stanley Cup finals in overtime, especially with how lethal both of these teams power plays are. You're not putting, I mean, look what they were letting. It was, it was, there was no rules at the end of the third period there. I mean, there was, some obvious penalties on both teams that I think there was a certain point. The rest were just like, okay, we're letting this go. It's a tie game. We're not getting a ball, which I would, I would honestly rather that than we get, you know, 50 million penalties. Cause I think they were fair in the sense that there were obvious calls on both teams that they were letting go. Um, but yeah. And you mentioned it last year, Colin, the too many men on the ice. It was not comparable to last year. It was way worse last year. They had seven dudes on the ice and like, six of them were not in the process of changing. They had six dudes facing the play when they scored the game winning goal against the Islanders in game seven last year of the conference finals. So I didn't have a problem with the no call. Yeah. I mean, I didn't either. I think that last night's game was like the wild, wild West. It was lawless. If you look at not even just the third period throughout the entire game, there were so many penalties that I think could have been called that were not, there were tripping calls, on both teams that were so blatant and should have been called, but were not. And so that was even then there were so many cross checks that I think there was a lot happening last night that everyone agrees could have been 15 million penalties could have been four on four for the entire freaking game at the rate we were going. 
but no one wants to see that, especially in game four of the Stanley cup final, the refs don't want to deal with that. Like, I don't know. And as a large fan of one of the teams playing, I even was like, whatever, let it go. And even if I were a fan of the lightning in this case, I'd be like, okay, like you both said, they're not going to call the too many men in October. They're not going to call it now. It doesn't make sense, especially because the sixth man wasn't involved in the play in the way that I was looking at it. It was a change. It wasn't involved in that way. So while I'm not going to deny there were six men on the ice, I've seen all the Twitter graphics that are like one, two, three, four, five, six. Like, trust me, I've seen them. I am with you. I do, however, think about John Cooper's response to it. I, I feel similarly to a lot of the internet and that I'm like, okay, I mean, of course, people were saying before the game, like, oh, like, Nas is going to come back, blah, blah, blah. Rachel Roshinsky, now known as Rachel Toss, um, who's the in-arena commentator for the Avalanche, she tweeted and was like, just give Nas a period or two to settle in. But everyone was like, oh, we don't know. Like you said, if a man who just had surgery, who hasn't played in a game in however many days it is, he hasn't skated at the force that this like cycle is playing wow words are so hard if this like it's the covid it's the covid it's the covid (laughs) my brain is just like foggy central right now like the rest of me feels fine but i guess my ability to formulate correct sentences has just gone out the window so check back in in five to seven days folks um tune in next week but (laughs) like he hasn't been playing at the level that everyone else has for the rest of this series, obviously, as he's been skating on his own, he's been participating in practice, but not to that capacity. If he is able to get past the best goalie in the world and three of your defensemen, maybe that's what you should be focusing on. Also, I understand that it is hard to go talk to the media right after a brutal loss, but like everyone has to do it, buddy. That's kind of the way I felt is like, I respect him very much as a coach. I really do. Um, and re- what he's done for the franchise. But part of me is like, look, Bednar has to get out there after every loss and talk to the media. We, all three of us work for teams where we have had to sit in the media room and ask questions after the team has lost in a brutal fashion. And it is not fun, but you have to do it. And like, I don't know. It just feels hard. What is interesting is that he then rescinded those comments today. I don't know if you guys saw that, but he did a second press conference today and he essentially backtracked on everything he said last night. And he was like, I was just really emotional. It's really hard, but it's going to be a hell of a game five. And I was like, you know what? Respect. So I, I appreciate that he did that, but I thought the whole thing was very controversial at the end. No one even knew that Nas scored. I didn't know. I was like, it's in, is it, where is it? I don't know. And even if you listen to the play-by-play guys for TV and radio, they both go, is it in? Can you tell? And they're like asking their friends, which I think is very funny. So interesting end to that game last night. Obviously I'm thrilled, but crazy. Hockey never fails to excite. Definitely must be an interesting situation for the play-by-play guy just to kind of sit there and be like, ah, I don't want to jump the gun here if it's not actually in the back of the net, but Definitely a great moment for Nazem Kadri as well. And guys, we, we had talked about it in preview for this series. It was something I had brought up, and I think you both had somewhat agreed in that dynasties aren't often beaten by an underdog. It just doesn't happen. Typically, they beat themselves. I think we're seeing a combination 
of both right now, potentially, in that if the Avalanche are to win a cup here, it will be because they had better talent and also because the Lightning have beaten themselves. Like mentally, there's something to the idea that after this type of game, you will not be able to put out the best effort possible. I, I, I've been watching this team, obviously, throughout the cup playoffs, and they have an ability to turn it on when their backs against, are against the wall. And I think that's because they're back-to-back champs. But at the same time, this is one of those losses that they haven't really experienced to this extent. Like, I don't think the New York Rangers going up 2-0 is the same thing as how they lost this game. And when you react that way as a head coach, yeah, you can backtrack on it. I have nothing but the utmost respect for Coach Cooper. I've said he's often underappreciated because of the talent he has around him. But as a coach, when you react that way after the game, you're not doing your team any favors. You have to be kind of non-emotional. That's something I thought Coach Gallant did a great job with the Rangers this year. There was never a moment where I had felt like he was overly emotional about a situation. And even when he did show some frustration, it was never about the actual outcome of a game. He always felt like his team had given their best effort, or if it wasn't their best effort, he always knew that the day after will be better because that was the temperament of the room, so to speak. Uh, what Coach Cooper did was a little bit different, not what we're used to seeing from him or someone like a Coach Gallant. I guess in the lead into game five, guys, is there something to the, the idea that this team won't be able to bounce back like they have been simply because that loss was so devastating and that their coach isn't doing them any favors? Yeah, I mean, it's a devastating loss, and I agree that, you know, there have been certain times in the series where Tampa definitely has not done themselves any favors. But I also think, too, I mean, Colorado is just a whole nother beast. They have not – Tampa has not faced a team like this in either of their two previous playoff runs. I mean, ne- definitely not trying to take anything away from the back-to-back cups. It's incredible. It's an amazing achievement. But t- Dallas and, you know, Montreal team last year – probably you put those two teams combined, they might not be as good as this avalanche team. I mean, this is a whole nother beast. And to go down three, one, I mean, you're right, Colin, that we've seen this team bounce back with their backs against the wall, but this is, this is just another level. We haven't seen them lose that, like that extra game to really put them behind when every time it looks like, Oh, they're they're. I mean, I guess they were down three, two to Toronto. So I don't know if I'm totally right in saying that, but like the Rangers game, they were the Rangers series. They were down 2-0, but it was like, okay, it's only 2-0. Rangers still need to win two more games. It's not like they're down 3-1 or they're, they got to roll like three or four straight here. Um, and the fact that they need to do it against a team like Colorado that is just clicking on all cylinders. Plus, they got to win two games in Colorado now after getting their doors blown off in game two. And I didn't think they looked amazing in game one either. Um, it's going to be difficult. Uh, if anyone can do it, it's Tampa, but they're also really banged up right now. And this looks like a team that finally, it's finally starting to catch up to them. All these injuries and all the hockey that they've played over the past two plus years. Now we've been saying, Oh, it's fine. It's got to catch up to them. It's got to catch up to them at some point. And it hasn't caught up to them, but it seems like it might finally be doing it. They're just, they're starting to stretch a little thin, injury wise or due to injuries. And, and I just don't know if they have the gas or the ability to beat this Colorado team in three straight. Yeah. I think this is where we see the Avs 
11 days of rest or whatever they had before this round really start to shine because though they are the back-to-back defending Stanley Cup champions and of course we all admire them for that as that is an incredible feat we admire coach Cooper for that I think that this is where we see those small things really come into focus and see them become that much more important the that long rest that we at first were saying oh it's going to be a deficit for them like it may have been for the lightning against the Rangers last round. Now I think is really what is going to push the abs over the top is what's going to give them the advantage besides also having home ice through the end of this finals. I think it'll be hard, but I also am really hesitant to just say case closed abs win. Of course I want that. And of course that'd be so exciting to see the abs take down this upcoming dynasty of the lightning. But I think that people get so ahead of themselves saying oh it's over it's absolutely over and maybe I'll eat my words in 24 hours and if so great awesome but I think it's something we have to be careful of because though they are injured with point out it's really hard they're playing after going to six or seven games in most of their series in this playoff run it's hard but I I, there's still something in them like you never know what they're gonna pull out in this next game I think it's going to be an incredibly hard uphill battle for them, though. I think that being in ball arena, having been there for playoff games myself, that environment is like deathly. It is the most incredible thing. I would not want to be a visiting player uh, in ball arena, but I think that it's going to be hard to bounce back. If there is anyone that can do it, it is the lightning. I think that they're obviously still an incredibly talented team. But we'll, I mean, we'll see. Only time will tell at this point. I think what really was huge for the Avs was having Nas come back just for morale in addition to skill. And I think that really was the difference maker in this past game. So if Braden Point can find a way to make his way back on the ice, maybe we'll see some of that too. <laughs> yeah, not having Braden Point is a big blow to the Lightning. There, there's just guys that are gamers and that they know how to step up when the moment requires. I think Braden Point is that type of player. But we've talked about game four. We've talked about the Tampa Bay Lightning and kind of that little Shakespearean collapse going on down there. But I want to show some love to the Avalanche. They have a chance to win game five. They deserve all of this admiration, considering how stacked their roster has been. Kadri coming back is like a storybook to help them win game four, to win them game four, pretty much. You know, and that that's got that's funny too to me. The fact that the guy is coming back from this horrendous injury pretty much. That's not a fun injury for a regular person. I can only imagine what it's like for a professional hockey player. And that's the guy that beats the almighty Tampa Bay lightning in game four. It kind of just goes straight through the ozone, hits a nice little shot there. Uh, So I'm looking at game five. Now you're at home, as you said, Sam, in that raucous crowd, what or who who needs to step up or what needs to happen for them to win game five off the top of my head. Initially, I'm looking at the guys that can straight up slash the net and I'm saying, go for it. Just whenever you see a path go because Tampa Bay as of late has not really shown that they can consistently stop that type of player. I'm looking at McKinnon. I'm looking at McCarr as the two guys that can really have that type of slashing ability. McCarr had five shots on goal in the last time out in game four, I'd like to see that number improve a little bit. Maybe try seven, eight, nine, just throw shots at Vasilevsky, get chances off rebounds. Kadri, another one, I know he's kind of still coming back from an injury, 
slash when you can. McKinnon's the master at that art form right now in the NHL. He's definitely changing spacing in the game the way he's able to do that in my estimation. That would be my recipe is take as much pressure off of Darcy Kemper as you can and just slash towards the net when you're in that offensive zone because I don't think the Lightning have the stamina to keep up with it. They're having to block all those shots to begin with. Their defensemen are getting tired. They, their legs are exhausted. I saw that even in the Rangers series. Now they look like they're chugging along to the end. As we've been saying, we've been dancing around it. They look like a dynasty that's on their last legs. In my mind, the name of the game for game five, slash to the net, get as many chances as you can. Defensively speaking, I'm not sure they're going to have too much to worry about because even if Tampa gives a full-scale onslaught towards Kemper, they're not going to be able to keep that up for two periods. I don't even think they're going to be able to keep it up for one period of really hardcore pressure. I think they're out of gas unless something outrageous happens that just energizes Tampa Bay from a momentum standpoint. I think as long as the abs keep the pedal to the metal, they will be fine in game five. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that it's all about just shooting at every chance you can. I know, I don't know if it was before last game or at some point during the first period, I saw some stat on the the ESPN TV that said that McKinnon had like 32 shots on net in this series or something or shot attempts. And I was just like, that's crazy, first of all. But I think it's exactly that. I think it's just taking every single chance you can get because then it is forcing them into such a defensive area. It is forcing them to use their bodies in that overly exerting way. It's forcing Vasilevsky to be on 100% of the time. And I think if they can do that, they can find a way to get the puck past them enough or to wear them down enough to where they don't have to spend so much time helping Darcy out. Not that Kemper wasn't fantastic last game. Of course, he made some absolutely incredible saves, some of the best I've seen him make recently. Um, But I think that's really what it's going to be about. I think that it's all about keeping this essence of recovering the puck and then rushing the net, for lack of a better term. Because Tampa was doing this thing last night, which they mentioned in the commentating on TV, that was like they would – chip the puck through the air into the avalanche zone. And then they would use that as an attempt to then rush to that side. The problem is that the avalanche would recover the puck and do the exact same things towards Tampa. And so they were spending so much time defending because the avalanche were able to recover the puck so quickly. I think if Tampa wants to win, they can't do that. They're gonna have to find a new strategy of getting the puck through the neutral zone or getting it out of their own zone. But I think for the abs, it really is about just taking every single chance you can get staying aggressive and also staying out of the penalty box. I really think that that's going to be so key for this last game because, of course, both teams have incredible power plays, the Avs especially, So, but they can't rely on that. That's why I think it's going to have to be about being aggressive all the time and making sure that they're playing clean and playing with all of their might because, you know what, I want to see the Avs win. I, surprise. So I'm excited for tomorrow. I have high hopes if they can do those things. I, I think I agree, though, that Tampa would have to do something miraculous to boost morale in order to have some kind of heroic comeback to bring them back to Amelie Arena. Yeah, speed and pressure are like the two names of the game for me right now. You know, you have a wounded giant in front of you, both metaphorically and physically. Tampa has a lot of injured players, both in the lineup and out of the lineup right now. So I think Colorado just needs to really keep that north-south fast-paced offense going. 
going into this series, we talked a lot in our preview about how the neutral zone was going to be so big. Can, could Tampa slow down this insanely quick and insanely powerful Colorado offense in the neutral zone, kind of stop them before they even get going. And they have not been able to do that really at all in this series, especially in the first two games in ball arena. They got, a, they did well in game three, but uh, Colorado kind of got back to that last game. Um, so I think the Avs just need to keep doing that and just go for the kill shot. I don't think you can think, Oh, we have three chances to win this. I think they got to go for it and try and win it really obviously they're going to try and win tomorrow night but i think you you can't think you know oh we're up 3-1 we have a little bit of leg room here you just got to go for it and i think if they if they play physical and play fast as the way they've been doing um they should be able to get it done at some point gotta go for the throat it's might be now or never against a team like tampa bay i mean i know we always say that you know there's always going to be a game six or seven in their case when you're up three to one, but you, you, that's not a guarantee. This is a case in sports where if you don't put them away, sometimes you've given them new life. And, you know, Tyler, I definitely agree. It's time for that kill shot. Sam, you have every right to be excited on the pod. If the abs win, I know me and Tyler would be the same if our beloved Rangers or Bruins actually ever won a cup. But just looking at this series, something that I always consider with any hockey game or playoff series is the Corsi percentage. I think it's probably the most telling stat out there right now because it just lets everyone know who's controlling the puck. And at the end of the day, that's what this all is about. And I just looked up the series overview through these first four games. It tells you everything you need to know, quite frankly. That's how scary some of these stats are getting. Colorado has controlled the puck via Corsi percentage 59.29% of the time. That's damn good. If you could do that the whole year, you deserve to win three cups in a row, no problem. Tampa was not good at Corsi this season. I kept on saying this, which is why I was surprised they got past Florida to a certain extent, not because of experience or talent. Of course, Tampa Bay has experience or talent, but because Florida's offense was so good in transition, their Corsi number was good at times, really good at times, startling good. Same thing with Carolina, which is why it was remarkable the Rangers were able to get by them. But I'm looking at puck control, and we've talked about offense. we talked about pressure. The last thing I want to ask you guys, along with your picks, so give your picks with this, how big is puck control in these types of games, and how big has it been in this series in your mind? We both we both just opened our mouths and then realized the other person had their mouth open. Um, <laughs> I think it's it's I mean, it's obviously been huge Colorado. It's felt like and obviously the stats back it up that they've had the puck the entire time and they've really been able to, to wear down Tampa Bay. Um, and it's just it's 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 a good indicator of just how talented that lineup is and, and how they're getting production from all four lines right now. And when, especially when you have a team like Tampa who's played so much and is banged up to continually shift after shift, have the puck and to just over the course of a game, be the team who controls the puck more, you're going to, you're going to naturally have better results. That's just, that's the way it's going to work. So um, I think, yeah, it, it's huge that, Colorado has done that. And I, I didn't know the stats until you said that, Colin, but it 
it doesn't surprise me at all. It's just the eye test has shown that there's been stretches where Tampa has controlled play, but like really controlled play. But I, I feel like besides the first period of game four, those stretches have been few and far between, maybe a few minutes here and there. But besides that, it's it's been largely Colorado controlling the pace of play. I completely agree. I think that, like I mentioned earlier, something that's phenomenal about Colorado is their puck recovery. It's the way that they're able to get the puck back. And I mean, it shows in the amount of time they've had actually controlling it. It's huge. I mean, as we know, but I think that that's really been such a game changer here is that they have the ability to do whatever they want when they have the puck, they have leisure and the time they can spend kind of to just pass it around and all of that when they know they've had it for so much and they're going to continue doing that because they're great at handling it. So I I don't know. I don't have too much to add to what you both have already said about this, but I think it shows, I think just watching the TV, you can tell the abs are in possession a lot of the time. And I think that that's been such a huge, a huge part of this series and part of this game. And so unless that really, really shifts in the next game, I don't know if it's going to be much different than the stout we're reading now. I think that, it's going to remain consistent in that way. And I don't, I don't know. That's pretty much it. Words are hard. Once again, it's the COVID. That that damn COVID. Sorry about that. You know, next week I'll be more on top of things, but this week all of our listeners at home can just enjoy my inner ramblings. Well, you know what? I think that's something most hockey fans can relate to myself included. I, I, I come off kind of crazy talking about the Bruins sometimes for anyone that heard last week's episode. I, Oof, that franchise is going to give me a headache. But let's make our picks for game five. Guys, I'll start here. Ah, this is tough because I want to live and die by my original thought, which was that the Lightning were going to make it a series. I can't see them losing game five, but not because of their actual forwards or defensemen. I just feel like Vasilevsky will steal them a game at this point. He was phenomenal in period two of game four. He's like Braden Point. He's in that way that he's a gamer. He seems to step up when the team needs him. I don't think the Lightning deserve to win game five. I think the Avs fully deserve to go out there and win a game five based on the talent they have. But I'm picking the Lightning to steal one more game simply because I think Vasilevsky is that good of a goalie, and I owe him that respect as someone that watches the NHL. Sam, I'll go to you first on your pick for this one. You know, Colin, I respect that greatly, actually. I really, I really do. I, we've all said, we're like, we'll be the first to say Vass is maybe the best in the game. Um, I mean, I feel like I'm going to pick the Avs because home ice advantage, coming back up 3-1, they're so close, they can taste it. They can touch it. I saw a picture on Twitter that like the Stanley Cup is in Ball Arena right now ready to be presented if things happen. And I think just knowing that might be enough to push him over the edge, but I would not be surprised if it went to a game six. In fact, I might be okay with that because then that means that I myself did not miss out on watching the avalanche win the Stanley cup in person because I got COVID. So I could perchance, at least if it's in Tampa, I wouldn't have gone anyways, right? So, but I'm not going to hope for that because like you said earlier, you can't give them any room to breathe. People had that mentality with game three so that they could come back and win it on home ice in game five. And I mean, that's just terrifying. Like you don't want to give the back-to-back Stanley Cup champs any room. So I'll go abs, but like gently abs. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa pulled one out. 
Yeah, that's a that's a tough game to play there, Sam. You know, say they lose game five, you know, you might be a little happy on the inside, but then suddenly I'm scared. things go wrong in game six, <laughs> and now you're shivering in your boots a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Colorado. I just can't see them losing at home the way they're playing in ball arena right now the atmosphere as sam has attested to this entire playoff run has been incredible and i'm sure it's going to be even more it's going to be insanity tomorrow so i'm going to go colorado i just think they have all the momentum right now and tampa while i can totally see an andre vasilevsky game in the cards i just think Colorado has too much. I will say though, I I I was wrong in this series. I thought Tampa was going to get this done in six, and and I, I was wrong. So I'm hedging a little bit here, picking Colorado. But I will fully admit, I, I was I was incorrect. Hey man, <laughs> I am I am in the same boat a thousand percent. I drank the Kool Aid. Thanks a lot, Coach Cooper. I thought you guys were going to come back for a third straight year. Yeah, thanks it's a lot, looking- man. Looking like we're wrong, Tyler, but making us look bad. Yeah, no, no logic tells me that Tampa Bay deserves to win a game five. My only thought here is that Vasilevsky's that good in that if anyone's going to extend this thing, it's going to be him. It's why I actually picked Tampa Bay to only win in five and not four last year, because I thought Carrie Price would steal a game for the Canadians. I'm going to give Vasilevsky that same sort of respect here and that this might be a legacy game for him it might be one that we look back on when he's done and say you know what it's often underappreciated there's games like that that I look about Tukaresk as a Bruins fan I mean sure he was not always the clutchest guy but there were certainly times where you got to go mm, all right I got to give him his props here but guys that's going to do it for our show talking about the Stanley Cup final next game obviously coming up tomorrow night 24 hours we will see what happens there I'm certainly excited for it. It's going to be in Colorado, 8 o'clock, ESPN, ABC, all that good stuff. We will have another episode of 5 on 3 next week, of course, probably recapping whatever happens in the time from now to then. But also to our listeners, we will be talking about off-season moves at some point. We would have touched on those today, but with so much action going on, we thought it best to stick with what is most topical, and that is the final with all the coaching moves going around, rest assured we will be back. So stay tuned for that. For Samantha Bohr and Tyler Mooney, I'm Colin Lochran saying so long. This has been another episode of Five on Three, WFUV Sports NHL Podcast. 